Today we're beginning a new series of messages that I'm really, really excited about. In fact, I had a hard time sleeping last night because I couldn't wait for Sunday to arrive. The reason I'm so excited about this series is that I know this from personal experience. I know this from my experience as a pastor. That what we're going to be talking about has the potential to dramatically shape and change our lives in profound ways. We're going to be talking about getting to know God. And what you know about God, what you believe about God, affects every area of your life. For example, it affects your emotions. How you process anxiety, what you do with anger, how you deal with discouragement is directly tied to what you know and to what you believe about God. Think about relationships. If you're married this morning, what you know about God, what you believe about God will shape your marriage. It will shape how you parent your children and your grandchildren. What you know about God, what you believe about God, will determine what happens with your career, what you do with your money. It will shape the entire course of your life. This week I was reading about a family that's moving from Florida to North Carolina, and they have a teenage girl, and this dad was just anticipating how hard this was going to be for his daughter, and so he wanted her to share her greatest concern. And he thought that she would say, well, Dad, my greatest concern is that I won't know anybody when we move to another state. But instead, she said this, my greatest concern is that when we move from Florida to North Carolina, nobody there will know me. One of the greatest desires, one of the greatest needs of the human heart is to be known. We all want somebody to really understand what we're thinking and what we're feeling. We want somebody who gets us. And the scripture says that there is somebody like that. It's the God who created us. And yet, in this relationship with God, it's intended to be a two-way street. It's not just that, that God knows us, but God actually wants us to know him. God wants us to know what he is thinking and what he is feeling. A few days ago, I got a a friend request on Facebook from a pastor here in town, and I noticed that he has over 1,100 Facebook friends. Now, I thought to myself, I wonder how many of those Facebook friends really know him. When it comes to our relationship with God, there are people who you might say are God's Facebook friends. They're, they're acquaintances. They know something about God, but it doesn't really impact their life. And then there are other people who have what you might call a casual relationship with God. It's kind of on again, off again. They go through periods of time when they're you know, maybe going to church fairly often or reading their Bible. But then life happens and they get busy and they get distracted and so they don't go to church and they don't read their Bible and they just feel disconnected from God. And then you have other people who might come to church on a pretty regular basis. They might even serve in their church family. But if you were to ask them, how are you doing with God? They would probably say, well, you know, it's sort of like spiritual inertia. I'm not really getting to know God better and better. And, and I don't really sense that he's changing my heart much or changing my life. And then you have other people. And these are the people who passionately want to know God. When I was in graduate school studying to be a pastor, one of my instructors was R.C. Sproul. Now, for people that are familiar with um, religious circles and theological education, um, this man is a world-class theologian. And of course, what does a theologian study? Theology, which is a study of God, study of God. 
And I remember the first class that I took with R.C. Sproul, he was telling us kind of his story and, and why he decided to become a theologian. And he said that as a younger man, he went through some really painful and challenging experiences. And through that time in his life, there was a question that began to form in his mind. And that question was the driving force of his life. And the question was this, who are you, God? And why do you do the things that you do? That's a question that we're going to explore for the next several weeks. Who are you, God? And why do you do the things that you do? And this is what I hope, church, that as we work through this this series of messages, that two things will happen. And in fact, I hope it happens this morning. That you'll ask yourself this question, how well do I really know God? And then the second thing I want you to do is ask this question, well, what can I do to get to know God better? What can I do to get to know God better? And so this morning, I want to begin by focusing on the benefits of getting to know God. And here is the first. This is on your Bible study outline this morning. Getting to know God gives us purpose. Getting to know God gives us purpose. We were created to know God. In fact, that's what life is all about. Look at these words of Jesus in John 17. He says, now this is eternal life. This is the life that God intended you to live. He says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And the reason Jesus said that is because he reveals to us the heart of God. And then look at these verses from the Old Testament. This is God speaking to his people. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now think about this. You can only know someone to the extent that they allow you to know them. Isn't that true? If I develop a friendship with somebody, that friendship is only going to be as deep as the things I reveal to another person and what they reveal to me about what they're thinking and what they're feeling. As a pastor, I've had conversations with a lot of wives who've come to me and said, you know, Pastor Dudley, I just wish my husband would open up more. I really want to know what he's thinking. I want to know what he's feeling. Why do wives say that? Because they really do want to know their husbands. And think about what happens in a dating relationship, this relational dance that goes on. You know, you say a little bit about what you're really thinking and what you're really feeling, and you wait for the response, and the other person does the same, and then you go a little deeper, and it goes back and forth, and that's how a deep relationship develops. And friends, this is exactly the dynamic in the relationship that God wants to have with us, because God wants you to know him. He wants you to know what he's thinking. He wants you to know how he's feeling, and he reveals this in the book we call the Bible. Consider this. What if a very important person, let's say it's the President of the United States, and for purposes of this illustration, I want you to do this. Pick your favorite president. Just pick your favorite president. And imagine this, that the President of the United States calls you into his office. You're sitting in the Oval Office. And he says, I'm forming an executive team And I want to be able to share with this team what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling as I try to make national policy. And I want you to serve on that team. Now, how would that make you feel? Man, 
Really? The president wants to tell me what he's thinking and what he's feeling? I am so honored. Man, I'm, and I'm important. I'm somebody. Consider this. The God of the universe wants you to know what he's thinking. He wants you to know what he's feeling. That is why he created us. And so one of the benefits of knowing God is that it simply fulfills his purpose for our life. Now here's another benefit of knowing God. Knowing God gives us peace. Knowing God gives us peace. Look at this Bible verse written by a follower of Jesus named Peter. Peter says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. May you have a truckload of grace and peace. But how does this happen? Through the, what's that next word? What is the word? Knowledge. The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So Peter makes this direct connection. If you want peace in your life, if you want a lot of peace, an abundance of peace, it comes through knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. And when you take a step back and consider this, it really makes sense because the better you know somebody, the more you will trust them. Isn't that true? In your own life, who are the people that you trust the most? It's the people that you know the best. There are people here in our church family that I have known for decades. And I trust them completely. I would trust them with my life, with my family. Now you see, it works the same way in a relationship with God. The better you know God, the more you will trust him. You'll trust him with your life. You'll trust that he is going to do what is best for you. Because when you really know God, you realize you're not just in good hands, you're in what? The best hands there could possibly be. So the better you get to know God, the more peace you experience in your life. And here's one more benefit of knowing God. Knowing God gives us power. Knowing God gives us power. And again, Peter makes a direct connection here. He says this, his divine power. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. How? Through our, and there's that word again, knowledge. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And again, the connection is this. The better you know God, the more you will trust him. What's another word for trust? Starts with the letter F and ends with T-H. Faith. Trust and faith are really the same thing. So the more you get to know God, the more faith you have in God, the more you trust God, and the more you trust God, the more faith you have, the more connected you are to the power of God. Of God and Jesus taught this clearly there's a story in the Bible and you may know this story about this woman who had been sick for 12 years and she was getting desperate she spent all of her money she went to see all these doctors she wasn't getting any better and then one day she woke up and thought you know what I need to go to Jesus and we don't know from the story but it seems that she had heard stories about miraculous healings that had taken place and and started to believe if I could just touch Jesus His power could flow into my body and heal me. And that's exactly what she does. She pushes her way through the crowd. She gets close to Jesus. And the story says she just reaches out and touches his garment. And immediately what happens? She's healed. And Jesus knows that something's happened. Jesus knows that power has flowed out of him to heal this woman. And when he finally has this conversation with her, he says, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. There's a connection between faith and the power of God. And think about the story of Peter, that time that the disciples are in the boat and they see the shadowy figure walking on the water and they're really scared to death and then Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, well, if, if it's really you, Lord, then, then tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, well, come on. And so Peter, in faith, tries to walk on water. And what happens? He does it, at least for a few steps. 
And when he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts going down, you know the story, Jesus reaches out and says, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Faith connects us to the power of God. It's an amazing thing. So as we get to know God better, what are the benefits? What's the first? It starts with a P. You can look at your, at your notes. What's the first thing? Purpose. What's the second thing? Peace. What's the third thing? Power. Those are the benefits of knowing God well. And that brings us to this next question that I want us to consider this morning as we begin looking at the attributes of God. This is on your outline. What does God know? What does God know? And what's the short answer to that? Yeah, God knows everything. God knows everything. Having total knowledge of everything is called omniscience. Omniscience. Look at this verse. It's from the book of Hebrews. It says this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, let's be a little more specific about what God knows. First of all, God knows everything about himself. God knows everything about himself. Let me ask you this. Do you know everything about yourself? The answer is no, you don't. Has this ever happened? You try to do something and you discovered, hey, I'm really good at this. I didn't know that about myself. Or conversely, maybe you tried to do something that you thought you could do. Maybe it was a home improvement project and it was a disaster. And you thought, wow, they made it look so easy on television, but I guess I'm not very good at this. So you learned something about yourself that you didn't know. Do you realize that never happens with God? In fact, some of our biggest challenges in life are because we don't really know ourselves completely. We don't know some of the dark things in our heart. We don't know some of our character flaws, but God is completely self-aware. He knows everything about himself. Look at this verse from 1 Corinthians. It says this, even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. God knows himself perfectly. Now here's something else that God knows all about. God knows everything about creation. He knows everything about creation. Anybody here ever watch Animal Planet? My dog likes to watch Animal Planet. I like to watch Animal Planet with my dog. But here's the thing. God never has to watch Animal Planet because he knows what's happening to every animal on the planet at every moment. In fact, Jesus said this one time. He said, you know, if a sparrow, a little bitty bird, falls to the ground, does God notice it? Yeah. He knows. He sees everything that happens. He knows all about creation. Look at this verse from Genesis. It says, then God looked over all he had made. And that's not just planet Earth. That's not just a Milky Way galaxy. That is all the universe. And he saw that it was very good. So God knows all about creation. And here's another thing that God knows about. God knows everything about history. God knows everything about history. There was a movie that I saw a number of years ago that I really enjoyed because it made me think. And and it was entertaining as well. But it starred Bill Murray. And it was about this day that he lived over and over again. Did anybody ever see that movie? Does anybody know the name of it? Groundhog Day. Sometimes you feel like you're in Groundhog Day. But what happened is he would make different choices, and of course those choices would lead to different outcomes. And so he would learn to make good choices by making bad choices. But I thought, you know, when you think about God, God stands apart from time. God sees the past, the present, and the future as one thing. And he knows not only what will happen, he knows what can happen in any set of circumstances. God knows all about history because it's his story. 
It's a story that he is writing and we get to be a part of it. And I love what it says in the book of Isaiah. And this is God speaking about himself. He says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. It's an amazing thought. From the very beginning of history to the end of history, God knows what's going to happen. And notice this, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God is writing his story in history. Now, what I'd like to do in the time that we have left is to take this idea of God's omniscience, this idea that God knows everything, and ask this question. Okay, God knows everything, but what specifically does God know about you and about me, and how should we respond? So here's the first thing that God knows. God knows your thoughts and feelings. God knows your thoughts and feelings. Look at these verses written by King David in the Old Testament. This is the first. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. God knows exactly what you're thinking at this very moment. And notice this. It talks about feelings. You, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Have you ever said this to yourself? Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows how hard this is. Nobody knows the pain in my heart. Ever say that to yourself? You probably all have at some point. And you know what? You might be right. Maybe there's no other person on the face of the earth who knows exactly what you're going through, but I can tell you this, Jesus does. And has this ever happened to you? You've been through a really difficult time in your life, a really big challenge, and you meet somebody who's been through a similar kind of experience or challenge, and as you start to talk about that, you realize, hey, they get it. They understand, and what happens? Your relationship begins to form because they understand what you've been through. I want you to know this. Whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through today, whatever you might go through in the future, God gets it. He understands your pain. Now, how should we respond to this fact that God knows our thoughts and our feelings? Well, the Bible is really clear. Psalm 62 says this, Pour out your hearts to God. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling because he understands. And here's what you will experience as you do that. You'll experience the comfort of God. One of the most comforting things in the world is to know that somebody gets it. And God pours his comfort into our hearts, not just for us, but so that we can share that comfort with others. So first of all, God knows your thoughts and your feelings. Here's something else that God knows God knows your failures. God knows your failures. As I was thinking about how to explain this concept during the week, I was reminded of something that happened when I was a kid. During Christmas time, I got introduced to a song. My mom taught me the song. She had me listen to it. My brother, older brother, younger sister, we would actually sing it together. And I'm sure that it was a song intended to keep us kids on our best behavior as Christmas approached. It's called Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Now, some of you, anybody know that song? Okay, and you know the lyrics, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be. Man, you better be good for goodness sake. And I remember hearing that song, singing that song, and thinking, man, it's kind of weird. There's a Santa Claus guy, right? And he's always watching me, and it's like he has his clipboard, and if I do something bad, he's going to check it off, and man... <laughs> I don't want to be back because I want stuff for Christmas, you know, the whole deal. And then, as a kid, I go to church. And then in church, I find out there is a God who sees me when I'm sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. He knows if I've been 
that are good. And it's like, oh, wow, in addition to Santa Claus, now there's this God who's watching me all the time. Are you kidding me? That's kind of unnerving. Now, here's a verse. This is from Psalm 69. Let me show this to you. It says, oh, God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Now, when I was growing up, I, I had this incomplete picture of God because my view of God was this. God was watching from heaven, and as long as I was good, he would leave me alone. But if I did something bad, bam, he was just going to smack me. He was like this cosmic cop always waiting for me to step out of line. And I lived with that view of God growing up. And then I became a teenager and a young man. And I said, you know what? I am so sick and tired of always living in fear that I'm going to do something wrong. God's going to punish me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what I want to do. And God, if you want to punish me, have at it. And that's how I began to live my life. Just doing what I wanted to do. And as I made choices, some bad choices, as I began to experience the consequences of those bad choices, I realized that I wasn't just hurting other people or even hurting myself, that I was hurting God, that I was bringing pain to the heart of God. And in his grace, God brought a young pastor into my life, and I would sit and listen to him talk about God, and I thought, he knows God in a way that I never have. Because he would talk about a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness and a God who watched me all the time and knew what I was doing and that I had the choice to bring joy to the heart of God or pain to the heart of God. And I remember he showed me a verse in the book of Romans chapter two that says this. Don't you realize that it is the kindness of God that brings you to repentance? Repentance is the idea that you change your mind. You change what you believe about God and about yourself. Instead of running from God, you run to God. And that's what happened to me. I ran to a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness. And it totally changed my life. Because now I was learning to worship the God who is and not a God of my own imagination. And church, that is why I really am so, so passionate about sharing the bad news and the good news. Because here's the deal, we all have failed. That's what the scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. But what do we do with our failure? And yes, it's true that our sin separates us from God because God is holy. And it is true that God is just and God has to punish every sin we've ever committed. But that is not the end of the story. There's a God of love a God of forgiveness who invites us to come to him and to be honest about our failure. And this week I was thinking this, what if, what if you have a friend and you decide you're going to be completely honest with your friend, you are going to tell them about your greatest moral failure? Do you think that might change your relationship with your friend? Might change the way they think about you or the way they relate to you? I think if we're honest, we would be concerned about that. But we never have to be concerned about that with God because he already knows. 
He knows all of our failures and he is willing to forgive us. And I love the scripture that says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were rebellious, when I was a rebellious young man trying to live my way instead of God's way, Jesus still loved me. And he died so that I could come to God and be forgiven. And here's the the beauty of the cross. When When you fail, you feel like nobody gets it, when nobody understands, when you feel unloved, You need to go to the cross and remember what Jesus has done for you. Jesus lived a failure-free life so that our failures could be forgiven. And on the cross, God is willing to do this, to take our failure, our sin, and put it on Jesus. And instead of us being punished, Jesus gets punished. He dies in our place. And when you trust Jesus Christ, an amazing transaction occurs. Your failure, your sin is dealt with on the cross And the perfect record of Jesus' life is given to you. That's what happens when you're a Christian. And you become a Christian by saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead, and I want to follow him. Now listen, when you become a Christian, listen carefully. When you become a Christian, do you continue to fail? Shake your head this way. Because that's absolutely true of every one of us. Um, Did you fail this past week? How many of you failed this past week to love God perfectly, to love your neighbor? We all did. How many of you think you're going to fail next week? Yeah, me too. But here's the thing. If you really know God, how you handle your failure is dramatically changed. I remember this. When I first became a Christian and I was following Jesus and I would fail, I would just feel miserable. I would beat myself up for days, sometimes for weeks. How could you be so stupid? I mean, on and on. But the better I got to know God, the more I realized, hey, that's not what God wants me to do. What God wants me to do is to admit that I failed. Not to say it's not serious, it is. But to come to him and say, Father, I am so sorry that I failed. Show me what I can learn from this. Help me not to fail again, but help me to get up and move forward in faith. And that is so important, church, because I've discovered this. The better you know God, the shorter the distance of time between when you fail and when you get up. And so I want to encourage you, get to know God. So when you fail, you can get up and move forward and keep following Jesus. So what are some of these benefits of knowing God? Well, he knows our thoughts and our feelings. He knows our failures. Here's another. God knows your future. God knows your future. Before you were ever born, God knew exactly how your life was going to work out. He knows that right now. Take a look at this verse from Psalm 139. It says, Your eyes, God, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think about tomorrow morning when you wake up. Do you have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow? No, neither do I. Does God? Absolutely. He knows about the traffic jam, the flat tire. He knows your boss is going to yell at you. He knows you're going to spill coffee on your dress. He knows you're going to lose your iPhone. He knows what you're going to Google on your iPad. I mean, he knows every single thing. So, okay, great. God knows everything. What does that mean for us? Well, it means this. We need to come to God and pray for the wisdom we need to make choices throughout the day. And here's why. Your choices depend on what you believe about God. Isn't that true? And your choices have consequences. Your choices, your collective choices determine the trajectory of your life and so if you believe there's a God who knows everything and this God has wisdom all wisdom and if you believe God wants to share his wisdom with me then the first thing in the morning 
that you should do is not read your email or watch the news or do anything else. The first thing you need to do is say, God, thank you that I woke up. Thank you for a new day. Would you please give me the wisdom I need to honor you with the choices I make today? Because I want to pursue your purpose for my life. God knows everything about our future. Here's something else God knows, and this is huge. God knows your faithfulness. God knows your faithfulness. Every time you do the right thing, every time you forgive somebody, every time you resist a temptation, every time you make the choice that honors God, God sees what you're doing. And notice this. This is really important. He will reward you. How do I know that? Because Jesus said so. Check out this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, be careful... Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. He's talking about the religious leaders. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, here's what we should do. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street corners to be honored by others. The religious leaders actually did that. They would have people blow trumpets and say, Hey, look, I'm giving money to the poor. Aren't I something? Jesus goes on to say this, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Someone came to me and was talking about some challenges in their marriage and said, you know, I'm trying so hard. I mean, I really am, Pastor Dudley. I'm trying to do what honors God. I'm trying to do the right thing. But my spouse doesn't even notice. And you know what I said? God does. And he will reward your faithfulness. Maybe it's a situation at work and you're trying really, really hard to represent Jesus well. And it's not working. It doesn't look like anybody cares or they <laughs> see what you're doing. Let me remind you, God sees and God will honor and reward your faithfulness. Because Christian, listen, we need to live before an audience of one. And even if nobody else knows and nobody else sees and nobody else cares, God does. And he will reward you when you make choices that honor him. And then finally, one more thing this morning as we wrap things up. God knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. And again, this is Jesus talking. He says this. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we, we wear? And notice what Jesus says. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. I think one of the most challenging emotions that we deal with is anxiety. Because we can worry about a lot of stuff, can't we? You know what the foundational cure for anxiety is? Knowing God. It is faith, and that comes from knowing God, trusting God, believing that God's going to come through. And Jesus says right here that God knows all of your needs. Do you realize you don't even know all your needs? But you can say, God, now here's some things I know I need. I need wisdom. I need strength. I need courage. But God, what, what you know is better than what I know. So would you please give me everything that you know that I need? And consider this. What is it that really causes worry? It's when we feel like we're not going to have what we need. I mean, what causes financial worry? I'm not going to have the money that I need. Or maybe you've got a big decision to make, and you're worried because you're afraid you'll make the wrong decision. Well, what's the problem? You don't think you're going to have the wisdom that you need. 
or the strength that you need or the courage that you need or the patience that you need and the list goes on and on. But God says, I will provide exactly what you need to accomplish my purpose for your life. Do you trust me? Now church, let me just close with one final question and the question is this. When's the last time that you got alone with God and spent some quality time getting to know him? When's the last time you took a Bible and opened it up and took a pad of paper and began to read scripture and said, God, would you, would you show me what you're thinking and what you're feeling? Would you show me your purpose, your priorities for my life? Would you show me how to deal with this situation? God, I want to know your heart on this. When's the last time you did that? Shut off the TV, turned off the computer, put the cell phone under a pillow in another room. Now, for some of you, you might say, you know, I did that this week. I spent some quality time with God. Some of you might say, well, you know, boy, it's been a while, maybe last month or last year. Or maybe if you're honest, it's been a really long time since you spent some quality time getting to know God. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Get to know God. Take some time this week. Make some time. And listen, it's always a sacrifice, isn't it? I mean, you can get up early, you can stay up late, you can arrange your schedule if it's really important to you to spend some time getting to know God. Because I will tell you this, church, if you will do that, there are some incredible benefits. And we've talked about them this morning. God will clarify His purpose for your life as you spend time with Him. God will release His power in your life as you spend time getting to know His heart getting to know him better and better. And God will begin to free you from anxiety and give you his peace as you spend time with him, as you remember that there is a God who made you. There's a God who cares about you. There is a Father who knows everything you need. Oh,
pray with me? Father, thank you for that promise that you hear us when we call. God, we call on you now to help us. Lord, help us to get to know you better. God, help us to trust you more. God, help us to love you and to obey you. Help us, God, to pursue with passion your purpose for our lives. And not just as individuals, God, but as families, as, as a church. God, help us to accomplish your mission in this world. Because, Father, it's not just that you want us to know you. You want us to make you known to others. And, God, as we try to understand this more in the weeks to come, would you please help us do that? And, Lord, I also want to pray this morning for the person who maybe for the very first time has understood just how much you love them. And, God, I pray this morning for the person who's never made a decision to trust Jesus that they would just, in their own heart, in their own words, say, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose from the dead, and I want to follow him. God, that statement, that cry from a person's heart changes everything. And I pray, Lord, for the person who prays that prayer, that you would run to meet them, as I know you will. And God, for all of us in the days and the weeks ahead, would you please do this, God? Give us a passion to know you truly, that we might trust you more and make you known to a world who desperately needs your love and your grace. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.